everybody, I'm Brantley. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Momentum Church. Man, that got me really excited. Thank you, Marvin, for getting that started. So, for those of you that don't know me, I'm not conceited. <laughs> um, I have three children. Uh, my oldest is six years old, and uh, he had been playing baseball, all right, and he decided he wanted to do something different. He didn't want to do baseball, and I just, I, I told him, I was like, I don't care what you do. I just want you to do something athletic. I want it to be team-oriented, you know, that kind of deal. So he decided to take up rock climbing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have rock climbing teams. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Because for him, he likes the independent kind of thing, doing it by himself. I did it all by myself kind of a thing. But he also, you know, he'll get the team atmosphere. Now, you're not allowed to join the team until you're seven. So he's right now in rock climbing club. And rock climbing club, it's not organized. It seems like a pretty dangerous sport to not be organized on. Right? And so we come in, and it's a couple of, our first night, a couple of college ladies are running the show. And they just, they put a harness on them, and they're like, okay, this is how you clip in. Um, now, whenever you want to get down off of the wall, you just kind of hold onto the rope and let go and lean backwards. And it's like, see you later. Oh, okay. So I'm sitting there, and I don't know. I've been rock climbing one time, and that's it, right? And here, can we put this up on the screen? Um, this is of my son. That's him way on up there. Yeah, that's like 30 feet in the air, man. And so the first time we go, he doesn't get that high. Um, but he gets up maybe 15 feet or so. And he's like, yeah, Daddy, this is awesome. And I, I want to get down now. And I was like, okay, well, they said just hold on to the rope and lean backwards. And he's looking down at me like, yeah, you're stupid. <laughs> I'm like, what? They said that it would work. You just have to do that. So he starts to climb back down. And I'm like, buddy, if you're going to do this, you have to learn how to rappel down. You have to try to, to learn how to do this. And he starts freaking out. Anybody in here have kids, small kids that have freaked out on you, like in a store or something? All right, so they're next to you. I have a kid hanging off of the wall. What do you do with that? Like, I'm sitting there, okay, calm down. But you just have to let go and jump off. <laughs> I'm feeling like a terrible parent at this point. And so he finally gets the hang of it. We work, so he finally comes down, and we get to where we work with him closer to the ground. And I decide one day that I'd like to try rock climbing uh, with him. And so I get the harness on, and I'm a little bit nervous. So I go up maybe like two or three little steps, and then I try to jump off, and it doesn't catch me. Well, apparently there's like, there's a, there's a, a, breaking point where it realizes your weight because it's an auto belay okay so it realizes your weight but you have to it has to have that sudden jerk to get it to stop so I'm really nervous because I only went up like at least two inches and it didn't catch me and I'm like watching all these other full-grown adults jumping off and I'm like okay well I guess if it can hold them it can hold me all right let's go all in so I get up the wall and I'm up 30 feet in the air I'm like I'm not wasting no time I'm 30 feet in the wall, uh, up the wall, and then I look down. I'm like, yeah, you're stupid. 
I ain't jumping off of this thing. I'm up there for two minutes. Okay, keep in mind, I'm at the top of the wall at this point. So it's not like people down on the ground are thinking, oh, he's wondering what his next move is going to be. No, they're like, hey, are you coming down? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I finally jump off. I convince myself I jump off, and it catches me, and it lowers me all the way to the ground. But the first few times that you do that, it's still pretty scary doing that. But now Gracie wanted to go, and I was able to tell her confidently, listen, I know this sounds ridiculous and scary, but it's going to work. Okay, you just have to jump off. All right, and this morning, tithing is a lot like jumping off of the doggone wall. Wait, don't leave. That's going to sound really funny on a podcast. No, listen, we don't talk much about tithing here, okay? We, we just don't, right? Because we got a lot of faithful people, and man, we got a lot of new people rolling in. And, you know, here's the thing. Most of us in here, you don't think about tithing on a regular basis, okay? For... For some of you, you have auto-deduct so you don't have to think about it um, or whatever. That's great. Um, but for some of us in here, man, it, it's hard to tithe, okay? I've been tithing for several years consistently, and there are some times whenever it is dang scary. And the thing is, is that whenever it comes to rock climbing and jumping off on that auto belay, man, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way this works. There's no way it makes any sense that this thing, if I just jump off, it's going to catch me every single time. There's always that little bit of fear, that little bit of doubt where you're like, holy crap, I hope this works. Right? And in tithing, it's the same dang way. Because if you look at the idea of tithing, in your head, according to the world's economy, it does not make sense. It does not work. But here's the thing that we have to understand. We're not operating on the world's economy whenever we engage with tithing. We're operating on God's economy. And there are a lot of amens there, man. I'm, bless y'all. <laughs> but seriously, I, I mean, and, and here's the thing. If, you, if you're kind of already checking out, please don't. Okay, because this isn't a beat you over the head kind of sermon. It's just not. It, it, it's not. And that's not what it, this is. I, I don't want this to be that way. Momentum isn't like that. But here's the thing. Right? God doesn't want your money. He wants blessings for you. God doesn't need your money. You need his blessings. And man, as we engage, as we lean in today, and we look at that idea of jumping off of that wall, and we're looking at the idea that, man, this is scary, I need you to lean in for a minute because I've got a couple of benefits that I want to go over with you about how jumping off of that wall is going to bless you today, okay? And, and here's the thing, right? So just like whenever Gabriel went up first, and I didn't know anything about it, and I'm like, okay, well, they said that this was going to work, so you just have to trust them. Just, just try to jump off. It'll be okay, I hope, right? Well, then I actually went up the wall myself, and I jumped off, and now I know. I know that it works, and you're going to have to take it from me this morning that, man, I've been down where we had no money and we were eating out of dumpsters. I know tithing works. I've been there. And I've been on the other side of that now, too, right, where I've seen God come through. Anybody in here got some, got some incredible tithing stories? Yeah, show your hands. Raise your hand. Tithing stories. Man, look at that. We got some hands in the room. Good. 
Here we go. We're going to go into Malachi chapter 3. And I've got a small Bible this morning because I'm an awesome pastor and forgot my Bible at home. All right. Malachi chapter 3. This is the New Testament. I'll have this. This is Old Testament. And this, this, this scripture, man, and it's fun. So- Listen, I just got to say this. It's fun sock Sunday. That's why I'm preaching without shoes on. I'm not hyper-spiritual this morning. My wife, bless her, I brought, I couldn't find these socks. These are my favorite socks. And she went and she, she searched all over God's green earth for the other sock, and she found it and brought it to me. Thank you, dear. All right, so let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Man, I love this scripture so much we actually named our third-born Malachi. I kid you not. Man, tithing is such a big deal in our house because we came from nothing and God blessed us. We had, to, we had to have a memorial stone. That little memorial stone, he's crazy. But we're blessed, man. All right, so Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this. Y'all say, test me now in this. You don't see that too often whenever God says, test me. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Man, yeah, that's a good place for a hallelujah because here's the thing, man. God doesn't make too many promises like this where he's like, listen, test me. Go ahead. I'll call you out. Test me on this. If you don't bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, if you bring it in, what am I going to do? I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. Man, and, and so often, right, one of the quickest ways that we can defeat ourselves is whenever we think that as soon as we put that first tithe check in, all of a sudden we're going to get a $50,000 check in the mail. It doesn't quite work like that. I mean, it might. You know, God can do whatever he wants. But for most of us in here, the blessings are going to start to flow, right? It's not like... Poof, the window's open and here comes all these blessings. Sometimes, in some situations, maybe. But for most of us in here, he's like, okay, you're going to be obedient? I'll walk over there, all right? I'll start opening up the window a little bit. And then you keep tithing. All right, here's a little bit more. Keep tithing. Here's a little bit more. And it's just over time, man, the blessings just keep coming and coming and coming and coming, man, until all of a sudden the windows are all the way open and you're going, holy cow, man, this wasn't supposed to work. I don't understand how this works. But now all of a sudden, God's opening up those windows of heaven, and he's just blessing you. I know for us, man, it took us about four years to get from where we had, really, I mean, we were living in a basement with no food. We went from that to now just a few months ago, we bought a house again. Our credit's back in good standing. Man, that took a long time. It took a, it took a long time, but here's the thing, too, man. Don't discount God. Man, because here's what's going to happen. If you're not tithing or you're not tithing your 10% and you choose to, if you you choose to today, guess what's going to happen? You're going to receive some kind of blessing. And if it's a small blessing, don't you discount what God's doing. Because it might be somebody filling up your gas tank this week. It might be someone uh, giving you a check. It might be you receive something in the mail. 
And I just want to challenge you this morning, whenever God starts opening up those windows, call it what it is, man. You were faithful, and God's being faithful to his promise. And that's the promise of Malachi. That's why we named our kid that. Because it's true, man, every single time. It's true. So this first point, and then we're going to go to the next scripture. This first point, the first benefit to letting go of the wall and tithing is God blesses you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It's in the New Testament, so I have it. <laughs> it's tiny writing, though. <laughs> Man, I'm funny this morning. What happened? Most of the time, people don't get my jokes. All right, do not store up for yourselves treasure on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now let me stop right there. See, in Jewish terminology, whenever you hear someone talking about a clear eye or a bad eye, do you know what they're referring to? Money. They're talking about your generosity with money. I kid you not. You can look it up. All right? So they're talking about generosity with money. If you have a clear eye, you are known as a very generous person with your money. If you have a bad eye, you are known as a very stingy and greedy person, all right? That's important when you read through this because a lot of people overlook this as talking about money, but, man, that's exactly what he's talking about here, all right? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, here's the thing, right? So you don't have to raise your hand. People living in here living paycheck to paycheck. Some of y'all make a lot, a lot more money, and you're still living paycheck to paycheck. It happens. All right, so I want to go over something a little bit practical here, right? So God says that we don't have to worry about this stuff, right? As long as we seek first his kingdom. Keep in mind, he's talking about money here, right? That whole piece right there, that's talking about money. What do you do with your money? Are you going to seek God's kingdom first with your money? If so, why do you have to worry? You don't need to worry because God's going to take care of you. He's going to open up those windows of heaven, right? So... 
A lot of times, though, this is how, this is how most people in America tithe. You're going into your budget on your computer, right, because that's how people type. <clears throat> and you're like, well, paid all the bills. What do we have left over to tithe? Well, we've only got $35 left, and we were planning on going out to eat this week. All right, maybe next week. That's how we do it. Here's the thing, all right? This is practical application. It doesn't get a whole lot more practical. Take it home with you than this. Whenever you budget, if you have a budget, if you don't have a budget, we got Financial Peace University going on. Where are the Reardons? Whoop, whoop, Reardons. Financial Peace University, go to it. Check them out, all right? Here's the thing, though. Whenever you're budgeting, the first thing at the top of your budget, the first bill that you should have at your budget should be tithe. You take 10% of whatever came in, that goes right there in that column, all right? That's, your, that's, that's how you budget it. And then everything else, it is what it is. You're going to have to figure out everything else. We just redid our budget recently. We're like, all right, we, need to, we really need to tighten up because we'd like to do different stuff. We'd like to save for this or save for that trip or whatever. And so what, what all can we cut? You know, if we cut out tides, we'd be making a whole lot more money. I'm just being honest. That's the first thing on my bill list, tithe. And I'm like, dang, man, if we could cut that out. <laughs> we go on vacation. <laughs> but that's not an option, man. It's locked in there. All right, so what are we cutting? You know what we cut? We cut TV. Now, pastor, don't be getting rid of my TV. And I got to watch me some NASCAR and. Baseball, the Braves stink this year. I want to watch every game. I mean, I get it, right? So I'm not saying everybody needs to cut TV. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you lock in tides at the top of that. And everything else, it is what it is, man. There were times whenever we didn't have any money. We didn't have enough income to pay our bills without adding tithe in there. And so we put tithe in there anyway. And you know what we did? We alternated every month which bill got paid, and we were late. But you know what? Tithes didn't change. And you know what? Four years later, man, we're in a whole different place. I mean, you you just can't argue with the promises of God. And we want, man, I love y'all, and you know that I'm blunt. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. We put the electric company over God. Well, I don't want to cheat the electric company. Well, I don't want to to cheat the gas company or the water company. That would look bad. What what about the credit card bill? We're going to have a late payment attached. Man, I'd rather have a late payment than a curse, according to Malachi 3. Listen, it wasn't supposed to go bad, but I'm just being real with you. I'm just being real with you, right? Listen, if we're going to put God at the center of our lives, at the top of our list, he's got to be at the top of our bills too. Because here's the thing. I had this revelation last night driving home. Whenever we engage with God in our finances, it's not like like you purchasing your blessing. That's not what it is. All right, so whenever you go and you buy a car, right, you give them so much money and they say, okay, here's your car. And you're like, yay, I have a car now. And you drive home. That's not how tithing works. Tithing is the key that you stick into the ignition and you crank that car. 
You're not purchasing your blessing. You are engaging with that blessing. You are turning that blessing on and you're driving it the heck home. That's tithing in your life. Man, not this, this number one point, God blesses you. Man, we can't overlook that. Man, God wants to bless you. He does. Point number two, God blesses others. Let's go to Mark chapter 2. Matthew, Mark. Chapter 2. All right, so y'all have heard this story. Man, this is Stephanie's story for volunteering. I love this story, okay? It's where this paralyzed man, he's laying on the ground on his mat, and Jesus is in town. And he convinces these guys or whatever, these guys convince him to let them. I don't know which one. It doesn't really specify. All right, but nonetheless, these four guys, they grab onto the corner of this guy's mat. And they start toting him to Jesus. And they're like, man, if we can get this guy to Jesus, he's going to be healed. And we won't have to carry him no more. Right? <laughs> and so they get him there, and it's packed. It is packed with people. They're like, excuse me. No, can't go that way. Excuse me. They can't get in. And so they, they step back, and they're like, okay, we can get up on top of the roof, dig a hole, and lower him down. And so they start digging and digging and digging. They dig a hole in, in the roof, and they lower him down to Jesus. And Jesus seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. It was because of the other guy's faith. He didn't have any strength left. And because he saw their faith, because of their actions, because of what they chose to do, this guy's sins are forgiven. Man, whenever we engage with our finances... Our actions make way for others to come in. And Jesus says, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven because of these people in here, because of what they chose to engage with, your sins are forgiven. Get this, it goes on, man. And, and you know, through the, through the Pharisees being there and thinking bad stuff, he's like, oh, hey, all right, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone. So that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Man, that's a double miracle. Some of y'all in here have received the first miracle, and you need that double miracle. And because of people that were faithful before you sitting in these seats, you're able to receive the miracle that you need. I want to skip ahead here to Acts chapter 2. That one doesn't, Mark 2, Pastor Mark 2 doesn't really talk about finances, though. It's all right. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 2. And all those, this is verse 44, I'm sorry. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
I know we're selling stuff off. That sounds a lot like money to me. They were selling stuff off. It was their actions that led to day by day, God was adding to their number those who were being saved. Isn't that why we're here? I mean, yeah, sure, we want to grow. You know, that's why you're here this morning. But as Momentum Church, as just, heck, forget Momentum for a minute, as church, the church of Jesus, the Savior of the world, isn't that why we're here? Listen, if you call Momentum home or you call somewhere else home, that's okay. You give where home is. This isn't, this isn't a sermon about bring your money to momentum, all right? If this is your home church, this is where you give your tithe. If your home church is somewhere else, give your tithe somewhere else. Be obedient to what God is calling you to do because here's the thing. He wants to do two things in your life. He wants to bless you first. Second, he wants to bless others. We are in a broken, dying world. How are we going to make it without Jesus? Man, I thought that the other day. I was sitting there with my kids going, man, all of this stuff overseas, some of the stuff that's happening here in the United States, how are they going to make it? How are they going to make it unless there's people in these seats, in the seats in the local churches all around that are willing to step up and say, man, God, I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to stick the key in the ignition. We're going to light this thing up, and, man, we're going to get it turbocharged and head on down the road, meeting all kinds of people, finding people to bring into the church. Get them saved, man. Get them saved. Get them engaged. If we started some kind of movement like they had back in Acts where everybody was, was giving as anyone had need, where they were selling off property. They're saying, God, you know what? I haven't given in my finances, but I'm going to today. I'm going to engage with you even though it doesn't make sense, even though I'm at the top of the wall and I'm going, God, there's no way this works. If we all chose to engage, what kind of exponential movement would happen? We engage with our finances. We engage with our heart. We engage with our, with our abilities here. All of a sudden, man, it goes from God blessing you, which was awesome, to now God blessing other people, man. And they don't just receive one miracle. They receive a double miracle. A lot of people in this room, you need your double miracle. Man, we're here for you. So at the end of all of this, you know, you're sitting there and, yeah, Brantley, this sounds nice, but, man, I'm scared. It's okay. I get it. It's scary up on that wall, man. You're looking down going, I give a little bit, but I don't give 10% or more, you know, whatever it is. It's scary. I don't think that we can do it. Let's go to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to wrap up here. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd had gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman 
who had hemorrhaged for 12 years, then had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what, be, what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion, and people loudly weeping and wailing and entering in. He said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, come, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded, and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. You know, whenever my son was rock climbing, he's up there and, <clears throat> you know, now I have the ability to say, hey, man, it's okay. I've done this. I just need you to trust me and get down. You're just going to have to let go and jump off. You know, Sometimes we need somebody at the bottom saying, it's going to be okay. We've been there. You know, I, whenever I went up, I, I had enough strength in myself to where I'm at the top of the wall looking down, and it's scary. And I had enough courage myself to where I could convince myself to let go, to jump off. And it caught me. You see, there was the synagogue official, Jairus. And his daughter didn't have any strength left. She didn't have any strength left. She didn't have enough faith left. She needed the people around her to believe. Jesus looked to the Father and said, only believe. Just have a little bit of faith. I need you to step up and have enough courage. I need you to step up and have enough faith so that your daughter can be healed. And there was a lady walking through the crowd as Jesus was moving. And she said, that's it. It's scary, but I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to get it done myself. And so she walks over, and she grabs his cloak, and she's healed. So you've got both sides here. Right? Some of you are on this side. And you're like, man, this is scary. There's no way this can work. Right? 
There's no way that if I let go of my finances, there's no way that if I add tithing into my finances, there's no way if I make tithing the actual 10% or more, whatever it is for you, no way that it works. You saw those hands in here earlier. They've seen it work. And they're standing down down there at the bottom going, it's okay. We've done this before. You just got to trust us. So where you don't have enough faith, where you don't have enough courage, where you don't have enough strength, we're going to be down here. We're going to have enough faith for you. We're going to believe for you. Because we've seen it work. You might be over here, and you're like, this is scary, but I'm going to do it. Listen, both of those stories. See, Mark is really clever in the way that he writes. He, he starts out one story. He starts out story A, and then he intercedes it with story B, and then he comes back to finish story A so that he can prove one point. And his one point is that it doesn't matter if you need pe- people to help you. It doesn't matter if you don't have enough strength and enough faith on your own to believe because there's people around you that can help you. It doesn't matter if you have enough strength on your own to do it. If you do, that's great. Both daughters were healed. Both of them received their miracle. Today, I want to pray. And I'm going to pray first for the people that are on this side. Like, man, I don't know how to do this. If you were one of those people that had your hands raised, I want you to raise your hands right now, and you're going you're gonna to help me pray for these people. Let's close our eyes, and if you were one of those people, you raise your hand. Dear God, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for the people that think it's scary, for the people that right now are thinking, God, there's no way this works. God, there's no way this works, God. Lord, you've done it in our lives, Lord. You've set memorial stones in our lives, God, from the works, from the miracles that you have done. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let some of my faith, let some of my courage overflow onto these people. God, in the name of Jesus, God, give them the courage to know that we're all standing down here and we're cheering them on. They can do it. We can believe in them, God. Let our faith overflow onto them, God. Let your Holy Spirit overflow onto them, God, so that they can have enough courage to let go of the wall, Lord, and receive your blessing, God, and then pour the blessing out for others. God, and for the people that have enough faith and enough courage on their own, Lord, allow them to not delay. Lord, allow them to not delay, but to go ahead and let go, God. Give them that that little bit of extra courage just to let go right now. Lord, we love you so much, God. I pray a blessing over everybody in this room, Lord. God, you are the giver of good and perfect things, God. You are the window opener of our lives, Lord. Thank you so much, God. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.